Hello, welcome to Amazon Women on the Moon, segment by segment podcast. Uh, I am your host, Danny. Uh, joining me, uh, I have a guest, and that guest is uh, Leandra Lynn. Hello, Leandra. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. And the segment that we're going to discuss is simply called Video Pirates. Feels kind of obvious, um, you know, because that's literally what it is about. It's two minutes of just people being video pirates. Um, which I think it's it's kind of funny because uh, obviously you know there's a Monty Python film came out in 1983 called uh, Meaning of Life and it has a kind of similar thing like where the opening segment although that goes on for like 18 minutes or whatever where you know they talk about uh, chartering the like the accountancy <laughs> as if it was a C and so like you know there's a play on words there's no there's no clever play on words in this segment it's literally just uh, pirates who go around. Raiding ships that have films and making illegal copies um, on video. That's the, like the whole concept of the the segment. Um, it feels like there's not much to discuss, so let's say say goodbye. And it was nice having you as a guest. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, like um, this was directed by Robert K. Weiss, who has directed a number of segments. I think people have talked about him quite a lot. Um, he's directed the segments that are Amazon Women on the Moon, like the main body of the film, which makes up four segments across the whole film. Um, and he did a couple of the ads as well. And then Murray in Videoland, which is where a guy gets trapped in a bunch of television stuff. Um, before this, he produced the film Dragnet, starring Tom Hanks, oh, wow. uh, which is my other project that I do. So uh, there's a link there. So if people are like, there's no link between this and anything else you've uh, you've ever done there is uh dragnet um you know uh, and he also was a producer on police squad which then turned into naked gun where he was a second unit director you know he worked with um uh, the, the the zaz team zucker abram zucker um he was an actor in uhf uh i don't know what he like i don't know what he looks like so i'm not sure that i would ever spotted him in that um he was also a producer on nothing but trouble which is an awful film um crazy people is a film that i, I kind of like because it's about dudley moore playing an ad executive who goes mad when he just starts telling the truth um which includes one of his one of his adverts that he does is for volvo where he says uh they're boxy but good and i was like <laughs> it's true yeah, that's at this yeah that's volvo yeah um so and then obviously he did the, the naked gun sequels um and then because he's friends with lorne michael he also did some producing on tommy boy and black sheep Night of the Roxbury, Superstar, Ladies Man, you know, the general gist of kind of, um, you know, the Lorne Michaels attempts to make stars out of people that generally failed. I mean, like, uh, I'm not sure that any of those films made any money. I think actually Tommy Boy made some money. The rest of them, I think, were all uh, general box office failures. Yeah, it's um, a secret shame that I've watched most of those. <laughs> well, I, do you know what? I, I the, the weird thing is SNL is like not a big thing over here. So the SNL films, there's only really been like Wayne's World and like Blues Brothers, which he was also a producer on, um, that have like succeeded. Like every other SNL project, like it died in America. You know, nobody was going to release It's Pat over here after it bombed. So oh, I didn't see that. You know, like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, I, I don't know, I mean, he hasn't done anything since 2008, but the irony is, out of all the films on his list, I've only ever seen one film that he was a producer on, which was his last ever film that he's produced. I think he's still alive. I, I don't want to kill the man off. Um, and that was Superhero Movie in 2008, oh, yeah. which was directed by uh, Craig Mazin, I think, um, who is the showrunner for Chernobyl um, and was also roommates with Ted Cruz. 
Uh, Truly cursed information. That's why we listen. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I saw Superhero Movie, I think it unfortunately gets kind of lumped in with all the stuff that was done by Seltzer Freiberg, which is like the, you know, date movie and all those kind of stuff. Um, And I think it's actually, you know, a relatively good kind of parody of the the kind of like Spider-Man films, like the first couple of Spider-Man films. Um, you know, and it's it's got um, obviously you know the connection to the to the Zaz stuff. It's got Leslie Nielsen in there um, playing like the Uncle Ben role, <laughs> um, uh, which of course the easy joke they go for is when he's dying, um, the main character like kneels on his nuts. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if you're watching Spider Man, you think to yourself, is Tobey Maguire kneeling on Uncle Ben's nuts? And in superhero movie, they were like, yeah, he he probably would if it was a comedy um so yeah i don't know that there's like any significant actors in this i mean the guy who plays like the captain um you know the the pirate captain i thought he was pretty good yeah he that's william marshall and uh i i was like where do i recognize him and it's because i'd recently discovered the uh, the 70s black exploitation film blackula and he played blackula oh yes <laughs> yes i was like oh that, uh, okay yeah. cool and he was in the sequel Scream Blackula Scream. Oh. Uh, which, yeah. <laughs> which Didn't is, see that. Which is a fun... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was like kind of... Like, obviously, the the main things about him is he's like very tall. Um, and he has a very... He has a very distinctive kind of like a bass voice. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that's kind of put to the fore in this. Because I, I do... Like, I mean, there's you know, there's very little in this um, segment. As we said, it's like... It's literally two minutes. Um, but I like he's he's very kind of like you, you like he's very memorable just in terms of playing this this kind of captain, um, you know. Uh, but what I, what I'll say is like obviously the premise of the segment is this: there are two ships that we see. One ship has a pirate flag. The other ship has the flag for MCA video. Sunder, she's a lovely sight, lads. And can bet your miserable lives. At the time, um, it's kind of a weird situation, but Universal was bought out by MCA, um, but also then later on, obviously, I think they owned them for like about 20 years and then they sold them off. Um, And obviously, you know, they've been NBC Universal and all kinds of other things like that. But yeah, at the time, um, you know, they owned Universal Pictures and, you you know, they had quite a good run. Uh, As we mentioned, the Blues Brothers. Uh, E.T., Scarface, you know, Breakfast Club, Back to the Future, um, you know, like like the, the you know the year before this, American Tale, and then after this, Land Before Time, you know, they had like a good animation division going, um, and you know, obviously, you know, Jurassic Park eventually, um, and I, it's it's I mean it's kind of funny because I think uh, like uh, Green Mile was like one of the final kind of films produced under their under like this kind of version of universal and they gradually got i don't know there's a whole thing with matsushita and vivendi and everything like it all gets very complicated um but it's only worth mentioning that uh, simply because uh once the pirates get on board uh, which doesn't take very long i I like that the you know the 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 captain says you know there's there's you know there's there's kind of like a good booty that they're going to get from this particular ship and once they get on board they meet very little resistance <laughs> they immediately um get down below and you know they're talking about how you know there's there's going to be like lots of releases that are down there some even in cinemas 
Um, which, I mean, I don't know if this is a particular reference to this, but E.T. was notorious in that it took forever to come out on video because it was so successful uh, at the cinema that, like, you know, they did... So there were a lot of pirate copies of, like, E.T. going around for a number of years before it was officially released. Um, and, you know, so there's kind of that. But, yeah, they named VHS. They say Beta. Oh, by gum, Captain. All the latest home videos in Beta and VHS. I so so current. They're still in theatrical release. Uh, I don't want to, you know, inquire into your age, Leandra, but were you aware of the war between VHS and Beta? I I was not. I um, the the only thing that they had uh, that was kind of a uh, a bit of of lost technology uh, that I was particularly aware of uh, was the laserdisc, and that's because somehow. Um, in in grade school, no, uh, all of my classes just absolutely needed laser discs in order to show like very small clips of things. So and what they moved away from VHS and they got they'd committed fully to laser disc as a format. Yes, um, that is kind of that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's funny because uh, you know laser disc itself uh, that that I mean that's the name everyone calls it. Uh, but it was officially when it was launched by MCA, uh, you know, uh, it was called DiscoVision, um, <laughs> which is gosh, a, I wonder why they don't call it that. Yeah, so like officially, like MCA DiscoVision was the was the name of the format, and then different companies, uh, you know, uh, like different electronic companies came out with their own version of the players for DiscoVision. And Pioneer called theirs uh, Laser Vision instead of Disco Vision. And then uh, the brand name was Laser Disc. Um, and eventually, you know, when other people started producing it, like Philips and stuff like that, they just adopted Laser Disc as the name uh, of the format. But it was still officially Disco Vision, um, you know, uh, from its launch until now. I don't know that, like, I don't know when they officially stopped making Laser Discs. I have a feeling it was sometime. Um, in the early 2000s because I remember going to um, a Virgin Megastore and they had a section that had laser discs and this was kind of like in the mid 90s and they had uh, they didn't have like a huge amount of titles but we were talking like I don't know maybe like 100 150 titles just in this one little section Um, and I think like the reason why they kind of kept carrying it was just because they already had all these racks set up for for vinyl (laughs) And it was the same size, yeah. so it's like just put them in the put them in the racks we've already got. Um, but it was never it was like never that popular, like over here. Um, you know, it like its lack of popularity in like in America after its launch was like one of the reasons why they kind of didn't bother launching it everywhere in Europe. <laughs> so um, you know, you could buy laserdisc players, but they would you'd have to like import um, the discs to you know to kind of get anything um i know it's very very popular in japan as as with everything that is unpopular everywhere else in japan laser discs were very popular same with mini discs mini discs huge in japan um, oh, and i'm recording on a recorder <laughs> well i'm recording on a recorder that is currently balanced on my mini disc player uh. um so which i used for so m- i mean i've you know i've had an ipad since like 2007 and obviously since then you know everything's moved into the cloud and whatever but um, I've still got like I don't know at least a couple of hundred mini discs with stuff recorded on them, um, 
but yeah you know like towards the end i know that they came up with like a um higher quality version of laserdisc um that really only was launched in japan and you know there was some other kind of formats that were launched as well at the same time like video cd um and then there was there was something that um rca did for many years which was like a disc that was inside like a plastic caddy and, and you put oh, it and yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So the war between VHS and Beta was, you know, that that was like for recordable formats. That was like the the start of it. Um, and you know, it's obviously well known that uh, you know the pornographic industry backed VHS, and that's why Beta kind of lost. I don't know if that's completely true. I, uh, I think I, I think that Beta there's... was just more expensive overall. So you know, and, and there's got to be at least some truth to it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, obviously you know thinking back to the 80s you know every 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 video store certainly over here had like a section with pornography in yeah um so you know it was one of the things that kind of drove it um and also like the ridiculous idea that um because my friend used to work in a video rental store and they would have to buy the, the tapes and they were like 80 pound and it's <laughs> it's like just the idea that you buy a tape for 80 pound and then you hope that you can rent it like you know, at least like 10 or 20 times so that you make the money back on every single t- Like, you know, there were some weeks where whatever the, you know, the new film was, let's say, you know, Jurassic Park is coming out. They had to have like 40 copies yeah. of Jurassic Park and each of those are going for like 80 quid. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. I could kind of understand why eventually that whole thing fell apart because that's in that's insane. Um, kind of a random know, but, aside, though. Um Go for it. So very recently, somebody on my Rocky Horror cast was like, Leandra, you're, you're our MC uh, for the show, and you like giving out weird prizes to people. Um, I, I have found a, a large amount of, uh, of DVDs and VHSs of, of like old pornography. Okay. Would you like to go through and pick some? And my my first instinct was no, that sounds awful. But then my second instinct, <laughs> the one that I followed was, well, what do you have? And I found all of the uh, the like obvious porn parodies. Like uh, the the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, oh, there's two. Uh, like Womb Raiders and On Golden Blonde. Okay. Like. So we have this mystery box yeah. of VHSs and DVDs, uh, and I go, you can either get uh, get this grand prize, or you can get what's in the mystery box. <laughs> and uh, and nine times out of ten, people are like, I just want to know what's in the mystery box, and they're always like, oh, oh, I don't know what to do with this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I thought you were going to say that you'd found some Betamax copies of Rocky Horror, and that would be quite remarkable. Um, although I have a feeling those would probably be worth hundreds of pounds, so you wouldn't want to just, like, so give them away. It's interesting. I don't know that they have any, like, major uh, releases of Betamax uh, for Rocky Horror, because it took them such a long time to release a VHS of it, because... Um, they uh, they very much just wanted to force people to come see it in the cinema uh, with a live shadow yeah. cast. So it wasn't until um, the movie came out in uh, in the seventies. It wasn't it wasn't until around the mid eighties uh, that you could get a VHS, and it was expensive. 
That, well, I mean, that makes sense because, you know, I remember being a lot younger and, uh, you know, various aunts and uncles going to, you know, live Rocky Horror, you know, shows. So it's like it makes sense that, they, you know, they did it. They, they took a while before they put it out on uh, on VHS. Yeah. Um, but it's also worth saying, as well as VHS and Betamax, there was also V2000, which was made by Sony, uh, which um, I only I only knew that because um, like at the. To to make things easy, the, the the cases that VHS came in, if you turned it around, they would also fit a Betamax. Oh. But the same the same way that the VHS was held in would also say uh, V two thousand as well, like embossed on there. So it's like you know these go this way, and then the Betamax goes the other way. So that's so you can fit. So you can just use the same boxes for both. Basically, you just have to change like the the sleeve that's on them. Um, but yeah. So, but yeah, the pirates, they find, uh, you know, a bunch of different tapes that are just in boxes lying around. But there's a, there's a box that is shut. Um, but the, the captain, he says, you know, we've got VHS, we've got Betamax. Um, and he, does, he doesn't say Laserdisc. Um, he says uh, video discs. And... Help yourself, mates. A chest full of video discs. No! Oh, what good are they? Can't record on them. They're not compatible with my system. The other pirate complains and he says it's not compatible with my system. It's like you can't record on them. Um, and I find that funny because like that is like the that's the main criticism of Laserdiscs was they weren't a recordable format. The idea of being able to record stuff obviously was foreign before like 1976 when the first VHS, you know, recorder was put out there and would cost, you know, like a thousand dollars and was hugely expensive. But once the cost of the recorders came down, then the idea this obviously plays into the previous segment we talked about where Steve Guttenberg is like, I'm recording, you know, Sophie's Choice. He loves his VHS player. Like, it's a, it's one of those things where, like, in the 80s, being able to record, like, a program while you weren't in was such a huge thing that that's what drove, like, VHS sales. And Betamax sales to start off with, but VHS te- tapes were cheaper to buy blanks were, so that was, you know, that, that kind of helped drive VHS as well. Um, so, but yeah, the idea, the, the fact that he's complaining that you can't record on video discs and all that kind of stuff. And I know that a lot of people think that laser discs were like the precursor to DVDs, but they were not. Laser discs were an analog format. So you were effectively getting the same as you would get on a VHS tape, but just on a disc. <laughs> so the quality wasn't even really like noticeably better. And also they were very prone to like uh, rot. Because the plastic, the, the way it was put together, you would end up with it right rotten. And even now, when you get like, there's t- so many YouTube videos out there of people like playing laser discs and stuff, and some of them don't even start up. And you know, it's a you know, it's something that people have talked about. Bit that's going to be an issue with DVDs, where they're like, if you've had DVDs for like 20 years, or whatever, they're eventually going to start to suffer the same thing. But my DVDs from 20 years ago work absolutely fine so i guess it's only if you play them over and over again like my friend he had this one album of this one band played it so often he basically burnt through the cd um so you know unless you're doing that with your dvds i think they'll be fine um but yes the captain you know he he says to his men gather on my buckles and feast your eyes on this make all the illegal copies you want and then you know they find this locked chest and he shoots it open and it has a number of like golden VHS is in there which are like I don't know what they're meant to be I don't know if they're meant to be like films that are currently in cinemas or I don't I like I you know I don't we don't really see like the titles you know per, like well enough 
Um, I think in, in like a modern day comedy, that would be where people ha- would have like a load of funny titles. Yeah. So you could pause it and you could see those titles. But obviously, you know, you're watching this at the cinema once and maybe later on on VHS. So you're not really spending your time pausing the screen because, you know, VHS didn't really pause very well. Um, so, yeah. But then it leads to probably my favorite moment of this entire segment and something that I've been saying for... I don't know, nearly 30 years after having seen this film on TV one night. And uh, the pirate captain, you know, he he sees the FBI warning that plays before, you know, VHSs. And obviously, also before DVDs. And he just goes, Oh, I'm so scared. I love to say that whenever I see a warning on a DVD. I'll just, as it comes up, I'll just go, Oh, I'm so scared at nobody. Nobody's listening, but you know, just it's just it's just one of those things that literally sticks with me because it's my favorite moment in the entire segment. And from now on, it's going to be living rent free in my head too. Um, this was something <laughs> that I didn't know that I needed, but as a as a person who I I wouldn't say that uh, that I watch pirated content, I I would say that I benefit from having friends who are content privateers. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's something that I will continue to uh, to experience and giggle at. I, it's just uh, like it's just my favorite delivery of the line. Like the whole concept is, you know, it's amusing. Like it's not a hilarious segment, but I just love the way he delivers that line. And then that's like kind of what they go out on. Like this, that's the end of the segment. That's it. It's yeah. over. Like it's, you know, and um, yeah. So just nice and quick, and it's like, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess the idea of video pirates has now been put out into the world and we, nobody else needs to do that now. It's it's done. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I mean, is there anything else that you think we need to say about this particular segment? Uh, no, I I really enjoyed the pacing of it. Like, it was it was funny, but it didn't... The, it didn't overstay its welcome. It made it made the joke and moved on, which I I yeah. really appreciate. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, is there anything that you wish to plug before we go? I I would say definitely check me out on my podcast, Rocky Horror Minute, and you can listen to that on Rocky Horror Minute dot com or any place that you get your podcasts and you can follow us on twitter at the extremely easy to remember abbreviation a-w-o-t-m-p the p means podcast um so i mean i was happy to get like a six letter twitter handle less happy that elon musk then bought it and made twitter the worst place in the world but still i got a good handle uh for the show uh, in case anyone's not, not aware at this point i'm the one editing and uploading these episodes so uh, but uh, thank you for joining me on this particular segment of Amazon Women on the Moon podcast, segment by segment, Leandra. Of course. Glad to be here. And, and otherwise, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>